0: A Podcast One production. This is Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. We're talking the biggest crisis Australia has ever seen today. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> no, but it is is—it is actually a crisis. And there's many people that say the same thing as you, Keith. Yeah. Aging population and how much it's going to wreck Australia, essentially.
1: Absolutely. The World Economic Forum, which is in Switzerland, has called this the financial equivalent of climate change. So they're talking about the global pension time bomb. So they've looked at the world's six largest pension schemes. as the US, UK, Japan, Netherlands, Canada, and Australia. And they've said that by the year 2050, there will be a gap of $224 trillion. In other words, that's the money that people think they're going to get and compare with what the governments can now afford to pay. So, um, well, you're a public servant, so <laughs> you're part of the problem. Oh, thanks. Thank so, you. <laughs> so we have uh, what are sometimes called the unfunded liabilities. So an unfunded liability is when government are are clocking up liabilities and are not putting the money aside for those liabilities. So in the case of the United Kingdom, for example, the old age pension is on the basis of the money comes in and then immediately goes out to pay today's pensioners. So today's younger people are paying for today's pensioners, the old age pensioners. The problem is that we're getting a reduced number of younger people in the workforce, paying for an increasing number of older people. Now, Australia tried to solve this problem 20-odd years ago by saying that uh, we people should have superannuation schemes, a pension scheme, whereby money is um, put into your name as a form of uh, investment through stock exchange securities or bonds, right? So it, it's your own personal pension scheme. The problem is that that means that the risk has been transferred to, from government to the individual. So the government, OK, is reducing its own unfunded liability in the case of ordinary civilian pensioners, but at the same time it means that those pensioners are running the risk of, of living too long. It's what's called longevity risk. <laughs> in other words, they outlive their, their savings, that, so these are all the issues that are bubbling away. And, of
0: course, our life expectancy in Australia is, well, it's quite significant. It is
1: indeed. So, yes, so we've had um, what I call the, the uh, silent revolution. So people are living longer now than ever before. They're living healthier than ever before. And we're developing um, enhancement technologies. So just to run through those three things. So the first one is um, living longer So the the silent revolution means that in the last 100 years, we've gained as much life expectancy as we had 5,000 years ago. So 5,100 years ago, you could live to about the age of 25. By the age of 1900, you'd reach the age of 50. Today, in this country, in a developed country, everyone is guaranteed pretty well to be able to go to around, say, 80. So in 100 years, we've gained as much life expectancy as we had in the previous 5,000 years. Now, that's because the buildings are safer, um, the water is cleaner, the air is cleaner. Medicines. Cetera. Medicines, etc. People are taking better care of their health. We're trying to reduce the number of smokers, numbers of drinkers. So that's the first thing. So people are actually living longer. Uh, And the second thing is that people are living healthier. So we've actually changed the nature of the ageing process. Traditionally, you were young, then you were middle-aged, and then you were getting ready to die, preferably by the age of 72. In pension terms, um, for older people, they will remember the calculations as 7 FAS, final times annual salary. In other words, you retired at 65 and you died at 72. So you needed to be able to have in your pension enough money to cover you for seven years before you died. That was the calculation that used to be done in the old days. So they were the three stages of ageing. But now we have four. You're young and we're actually extending the age of children, so to speak. You know, if you look at Romeo and Juliet in Shakespeare's day, they were they were 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, Now, uh, people don't leave school now until the age of 18. Then they become undergraduates. That's another another three or four years, et cetera. So even that first stage has become longer. The second stage is middle age, and that takes you through until, say, the age of 55 or 60. Then the age of 60, the third age kicks in, totally unprecedented. We have never before had a society where people turn 60, and instead of preparing to die... They reinvent themselves, and so um, you know. In the case of men, they often run off with uh, you know thirty-year-old women and buy red Lamborghinis, etc. They have midlife crises, start uh, families all over again, etc. Um, so this is this third age, which can run on for fifty years, sixty years, and then the final stage is called the compression of morbidity, where all of your bits and pieces fail in six months. My Uncle Reg, who, if you saw the movie The King's Speech, so he made part of the throne for The King's Speech and, he... and and also the Queen's Throne. Of course Later he on, did, the old, old Reg. Yeah, dear old Reg. So he turned 100 yeah. and um, got a bit of publicity because the Queen sent him a telegram and he was actually up on the roof for part of the day of his house in Wimbledon. He never wanted to go to an aged care centre. It was full of old people. <laughs> so at the age of 100, still living at home in South Wimbledon, um, but at the age of 106 months, he gets an infection. They put him into a South London hospital and he dies there. That is compression of morbidity. Someone who's at a very active third stage of his life, carried him through to the age of 100, and then that fourth stage, everything fails in six months or less. Now, that's what the lifestyle will be of people. So instead of people getting ready to die at, say, the age of 50 or 60, they could be around for another 50 years. Mm. This is the new lifestyle in the Western world for most people. There are certain notable exceptions, but that's broadly the new trend. So you've got people living longer but they aren't necessarily working longer. You know, so President Macron in France, for example, is trying to increase the pension age beyond 51. <laughs> oh, my God,
0: 51. <laughs> they don't, oh, my God. Oh. And look it up. So our government tries to put it up to 70. There's an outcry about it. Exactly. But isn't that just reality? But also, don't you think, will attitudes of people change because we are much more of an active society now and people do tend to be living so much longer that they might be happy to work longer? Well, I would hope so. Um, I mean, you're 70 and you're quite happy working. And I'm
1: I'm very happy working. And
0: damn, you look good, Keith.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I I enjoy work and I'm I'm blessed because I'm working in areas that I enjoy doing. But I do acknowledge that you've got people on, say, a building site who might well say, look, I don't have the body to keep oh, going. So, so that, yeah, I understand. You had that sort of an issue, which takes us really into this third stage. So you, you've you've not only got people living longer, they're not only living healthier for longer, but they've also got enhancements of a physical nature. So now it's not necessarily a new thing because obviously we invented glasses centuries ago. We've got hearing aids now that are coming along. But we're actually now with the um, what's called Human Enhancement Technology looking at ways that we can improve the human body. Now, this takes us into the stuff that I've covered before in terms of the blending of the body with computers. Uh, my favourite example is um, where if, you, if you're going to France, say, for a, a holiday, um, you'll have a chip inserted into your brain that would give you the ability to speak French. Oh. And then when you come home, you surrender the chip. You're just renting the chip for the month or whatever that you're away you what? Yeah. I've
0: never so heard anything like that. This
1: is all that's being worked on at the moment. This is human enhancement technology. So we will blend. The, see, at the moment we have unintelligent parts in our body, you know, like hips and knees. So the intention will be to put intelligent parts into our body and make the body more effective. And it may well include enabling people to work on building sites beyond the age of 65, because we are being able to build up their muscles, etc. These are all sorts of new developments that are taking place. Um, even improving uh, eyesight by virtue of um, putting mini computers into people's eyes when they when they uh, lose their eyesight, we can give them new corneas, etc. So some really remarkable stuff going on. So people are living longer, they're living healthier, and we can enhance them through um, either technology or through drugs. So these are all the developments. Now, this is all the good news. You're going to be able to live to 100. 100. A girl born today in Sydney will live long enough to forget the name of her first husband. So she'll be able to go through into about 120. What? Yeah. In fact, the first person in Australia to live to 120 is already alive and she's currently in her 60s. The problem is that we don't know who she is, so we're not able to warn her. Yeah. So that's all the good news. People are living longer. It means that... You know, grandparents, great grandparents can be around to see the grandchildren, the great grandchildren.
0: Not, not everyone wants to live that long, though, do they, Keith?
1: Oh, that's part of the problem. Then this is why the World Economic Forum refers to the financial equivalent of climate change, because people will be running out of money. That they sure they'll be able to live longer, but will they be living in a happier way?
0: This is Global Truth with Dr. Keith Souter. We're talking today about the global crisis of aging, which sounds like it's nothing like a crisis, but actually is when you really get down to the economics of it, particularly. And here in Australia, we have a, a, a very um, prominently aging population. It's been flagged by the government. It's going to be a major, major issue in terms of funding these people, um, especially with the retirement age at 65, people living till they're 105, 110. Like, that's 50 years that you have to continue to pay for, which, is it? No, my mouth is off. Is that 40, 40 years? 40 yeah. years, <laughs> You know what I mean. Um, that you have to pay for. Yeah. So that, and, oh, God, and you think of the cost of living, going up and up. So what then, Keith, is the solution here in terms of, you know, the government tried to put up our retirement age to 70, the pension age, yeah. which was has been rejected thus far, although you'd think they'd, they'd try it again. But surely the reality is that, People will just have to work longer.
1: Well, I think so. And um, and I think that there's a value in work. Uh, I'm someone who certainly enjoys work. But one also has to be aware that um, there are a lot of complications that, that are going to emerge if people are living longer. Some are just simply say, I physically can't do it. I've been on a building site. I just don't have a body left to do it. So you've always got that uh, dimension to it. You've also, um, you know, there's a statement that I use when I'm giving talks on this subject. My doctor says I can live for another 30 years, but my accountant says I can only afford to live for another 20 years. This is called longevity risk, which means that you will outlive your financial resources. You will therefore have to end up on a state pension. The uh, Keating, Keating, when he introduced the idea of the superannuation 20, just over 20 years ago, had an idea that people would accumulate enough money that they wouldn't need to have an old age pension, which is why when you look at the major superannuation schemes around the world, Australia is the one that has the least problem. It still has a problem, but it has the least problem. The United States, United Kingdom, Japan, they have really significant problems. So Keating thought 20-odd years ago that he could reduce the nature of the problem by having people save for their own retirement. The Americans would try to do that as well, what are called 401k plans, et cetera. The problem is that you are basically gambling on the stock exchange and you've got no guarantee that the stock exchange will continue to boom. Um, now, of course, I'm not licensed to give financial advice, so nothing I say should be should be taken to be financial advice. But the worry that I have is that you've got people who are going to be relying on their investments for 30 or 40 years, perhaps 50 years, and will those investments work out fine? Let's take the example of Bitcoin, which perhaps will come into play. Bitcoin or some sort of other cyber currency. Now, that may well threaten the nature of our banking system, and banks represent at least 30% of the Australian Stock Exchange. Now, when I give talks about Bitcoin and all the rest of it, I use the example of the Encyclopedia Britannica. When I lived in Boston, I used to sell encyclopedias, not Britannica, but a rival company. Every home in New England had to have a set of encyclopedias, particularly if uh, it was a home of people who were carpenters or builders, they wanted to ensure that their children would be able to be lawyers and doctors and not carpenters and plumbers. And so what is interesting is they bought one set, perhaps even two sets of, of encyclopedias. Now those encyclopedias have all gone. Encyclopedia Britannica itself exists as a brand but no longer as a book. Oh. So we have seen the disappearance of this. And now, of course, people go on to Wikipedia, a free service.
0: Which can be changed by anyone in the world, by the way. Exactly.
1: But that's what people are using. And information changes so much. So you you, you have that as a complication therefore, that the government is saying put your money into shares or put your money into bonds, Um, but is there a risk that, in fact, you'll get a a terrible financial meltdown, in which case your investments won't be worth very much? We do have some options. One way of doing this is to allow in more migrants, bring in more young people, highly controversial. Another one is to encourage women to have more children, or parents to have more children.
0: And everyone is curbing how many children they're having now because their women are working longer, they're getting married later, they want their careers.
1: Exactly. So the last time we had this crisis in Europe, which was just over 100 years ago, the kindergarten movement was invented. In other words, the garden for children. So this enabled um, mothers to be able to go into the paid workforce rather than staying at home looking after the children. Now, what we need perhaps is a similar sort of revolution to encourage younger people to then, for have more children. But then you've got another argument that automation is going to destroy jobs anyway. It, so we've got these major issues that are on the horizon. I have politicians who listen to my talks and will say to me afterwards, you're raising very important issues, but I can't talk about that at the moment. Indeed, we've had um, only uh, in the Australian Federal Parliament today, we had a politician who is uh, being challenged about climate change And he said, I'm not interested in 2050, I won't be in Parliament in 2050. So we've got a lack of a long-term view either of the pension crisis or with climate change or whatever. People are just living in a 24-7 world.
0: Yeah, and we've got politicians who are just in it for the now. Yep. And just you need, we need gutsy politicians, don't we?
1: We do indeed. That's the subject. I think yeah. for another how we can uh, change the political system. I, I'm I'm a bit of a pessimist there. I'm afraid. Overall, my view is that we know what ought to be done, but I'm pessimistic about whether or not we will do it.
0: This has been Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. It's recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Producer is me, Kate Mack. Production assistance by Liv Proud. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. And for more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app.